Welcome to the Community of Hope Church podcast. Our church exists to interest disinterested people in Jesus Christ and then grow together into fully devoted followers of Him. So wherever you are, we hope you find this message helpful, practical, and applicable to your life. God bless. Okay, so we have uh, been in a series on prayer, and I want to start today with uh, something that I read. Uh, that I'm excited about. Now, usually when Pastor Trevor shares an illustration at our church, it's usually one of a few things. It usually involves pizza or cookies or Tom Brady or Dwayne The Rock Johnson. <laughs> I'm pretty good for a bingo card there. If you just hit a couple of those things in any given sermon, that's, that's what you get with me. But I have expanded my horizons today, and I have an illustration from science. <laughs> Look at me. I am so smart, S-M-R-T. So anyway, did you catch that? Yeah, okay. Uh, So uh, I read something that was fascinating in the scientific world in December. There is a major, major scientific breakthrough uh, with what's called nuclear fusion in December. Many of you may have seen uh, news articles about this. Here's a picture from this reactor. Now, what happened? Scientists have been chasing after this for 60 years. They've written science fiction books about it. People have made movies about it. Basically, what it is is scientists and physicists have theoretically been trying to achieve uh, what's called nuclear fusion, which is a form of energy that is what powers the stars. So what powers the center of our sun and our solar system is nuclear fusion. That's what starts to... Am I saying it wrong? Somebody, I think somebody just corrected me, but that's okay. I am not so smart after all. That's all right. <laughs> so here's what it basically means. It basically means this, that uh, because scientists were able to achieve it even just for a fraction of a second, where they, more energy came out than what they put in, that means the potential has been proven for unlimited clean, carbon-neutral energy for humanity. It's an unbelievable scientific breakthrough that has ramifications we can't even possibly fathom right now. The pieces from the reactor that they used to successfully have this launch in December is going to go in the Smithsonian next to Edison's light bulb. It's that world-changing. This is going to be a thing that uh, uh, changes all the way we power the world and power devices, even probably will power spaceships one day. I mean, it is huge, this breakthrough. Super exciting. Now, a breakthrough, uh, this is what we're talking about in this series in a lot of ways, is a breakthrough is something that's a sudden, dramatic, and important advance. And it could be in more ways. It could be in a scientific breakthrough, You can have a breakthrough in your business that's a sudden, dramatic, and important advance. You can have a breakthrough in diplomacy. You can have a breakthrough in your relationships. You can have a breakthrough in your marriage. You can have a breakthrough with one of your kids. You can have these sudden, dramatic, important advances in every area of life. And what we're trying to get at in this series incrementally, step by step, is to tell everybody, you can experience these breakthroughs in your spiritual life, too. So we're in the series called 21 Days of Prayer, and we're just giving this basic challenge to people in our church because we have this wide gamut of spiritual experience where there are some people in our church where this is the very first church they have ever attended, and we have built church for people who don't like church. We're doing our dead level best. 
We have people over here and people who have been following Jesus for decades. And so what we're challenging people to do in this 21 days of prayer is regardless of your spiritual experience and regardless of how long or how short you've been trying to figure out this Jesus thing, we're challenging everybody to pray once a day for 21 days straight. And don't worry, if you're just now jumping in, it's not like you can't try to do it for the next week if you can. You can always jump in late. 21 days at once a day, every day, praying and learning how to lean and how to do this. So we've had this phrase that we've used across the series that Pastor Dale introduced to us. We're saying prayer is to the life of faith what water is to the human body. Even if you're an irreligious person or you're not sure about the church or the Jesus thing, one of the things that's our beginning assumptions is that prayer is one of the most natural human things to do. It's, all, it's as natural as you drinking water. And so even if you're not necessarily a religious person, I'm here to tell you that there's a part in your heart where to learn to pray to the God of the universe is hardwired into the DNA and core of your being. We've had this theme verse that we've talked about, which is Psalm 46, verse 10. And let's read this out loud together. He says, be still and know that I am God. Prayer is about building this relationship with a knowable God, that's one of the greatest gifts of Christianity, of what Jesus taught and unleashed on the earth, is that the God of the universe is not this being who's sitting on some throne somewhere just watching you and I not involved in our life and waiting for you to mess up. But he wants to be close and have a, a relationship with you as a loving father. Wow. So Dale, uh, the past two weeks, has started in the Old Testament. And we've been in this really obscure, mystical, strange passage from the book of Daniel, where Daniel prays for 21 days straight. Did you notice that the past two weeks, if you've been in church, that's where we get the 21 days. He's praying, he's fasting, and at the end of the 21 days, he experiences uh, where a messenger, an angel comes to him to give him a message from heaven. And the reason it took 21 days is because something was happening in the spiritual realm. And that there are forces that are benevolent and good and for life and joy and peace and unity. And these forces are God. He's working for good. And at the same time, these forces for good in the spiritual realm, there's also forces of darkness that are for death and destruction and disunity and fear and, and destruction. And that these forces are at combat with each other in the spiritual realm. And at the end of the day, here's the great mystery of prayer. Somehow, some way, when I pray and when you pray, somehow it, it changes what happens in this realm. And when we pray, it can lead to spiritual breakthrough for forces of good and for the heart of God on earth. It's a great mystery. I don't fully understand it. It's not science. It's not physics. But here's what I know. When I pray, more coincidences for good happen. And when I don't, they happen less. That's my irreducible minimum. <laughs> I'm a deep thinker, I told you. So for, we've been two weeks in the Old Testament, and now we're going to spend two weeks in the New Testament, and we're going to be in, in the Gospel of Luke. And we're going to look at two parables that Jesus teaches on, hey, here's how you can pray, and here's how you can experience this breakthrough in prayer, like we're talking about. So um, we have started a tradition in our church over the past couple months that when we read from the scriptures in honor of God's word, that we stand. So if you're able, would you please stand? And even if you're at home in your living room, maybe you could stand too right now. You're not exempt. So go ahead and stand. It might be weird if you're in the middle of Starbucks, just <laughs> standing up, watching, but you know, 
All right, so this is Luke chapter 11, verses 1 through 13. One day, Jesus was praying in a certain place. When he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray just as John taught his disciples. And as Dale said last week, this is really, we want to pray like you. And Jesus said, when you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread. Forgive us our sins. For we also forgive everyone who sins against us. And lead us not into temptation. Then Jesus said to them, suppose one of you has a friend and you go to him at midnight and say, friend, lend me three loaves of bread. And a friend of mine, a friend of mine on a journey has come to me and I have no food to offer him. And suppose the one inside answers, don't bother me. The door is already locked. My children and I are in bed. Shh, don't mess it up. I can't get up and give you anything. I tell you, even though he will not get up and give you the bread because of friendship, yet because of your shameless audacity, he will surely get up and give you as much as you need. So I say to you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. The one who seeks finds. And the one who knocks, the door will be open. Which of you fathers... If your son asks for a fish, we'll give him a snake instead. Or if he asks for an egg, we'll give him a scorpion. If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? So here's what we also do at the end. We're going to put on the screen here. Pastor says, the word of God for the people of God. And you say, thanks be to God. You may be seated. So uh, Luke is, I think, my favorite gospel because there's so much intricate detail in the gospel of Luke. Uh, Luke was not one of the 12 apostles, one of the 12 disciples of Jesus. If somebody asks you, pop quiz, what are the 12? And you go, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, you're going to be wrong. Uh, Luke was not one of them. Luke uh, came to faith later on, and Luke's account was really his investigative report. He was a trained doctor, so he was highly educated. And his investigative account of the eyewitnesses who were still alive at his time for the life and teachings and ministry of Jesus. Uh, this is Luke's version of what's called the Lord's Prayer. We talked about it the past week. We, we've sung about this. We sang part of it in that third song, Here as in Heaven Today. This is Luke's version of recording that. Matthew has another version. And um, it's just fascinating. Now, Luke, in my studying this week, I didn't know this before, Luke is often known as the Gospel of Prayer. Because in Luke, there are 24 chapters. And in the 24 chapters in the Gospel of Luke, prayer is referenced either by Jesus teaching about it, talking about it, or him going off and praying himself over 20 times in Luke. Prayer is a dominant theme in this gospel. And so really the heart of Jesus in a lot of ways is to help people find a relationship with this supremely loving, good, benevolent God who wants to be involved in the details of your life. And the way you do that is through prayer. Now, in this particular passage here, in this first parable, where Jesus is trying to help people understand how to pray like he prays, this is really what we're getting at today, is really how to ask God in prayer. He's teaching people asking etiquette 
when you pray and how to talk to God about some things. This whole passage is all about how to ask God for the things that you need, for the things that you want, for the things that you think you need to see him do in your life and in the world. Now, asking some people get a little squidgy about this with God because some people have the misconception, especially if you've grown up with any type of religion, you think, oh, I, I don't know. I mean, I feel bad asking God for stuff. I mean, he's like in charge of the world. You know, I should ask him for world peace. I'm not sure I need to ask him for anything going on in my life. And I think it's really fascinating here. Some of the things that Jesus teaches that, that it's actually deeply spiritual. It's not shallow at all when you ask God to move in your life and the lives of others. It's a normal part of human life. Um, In my family, I get asked things every single day. I have four kids. I have a 10-year-old, a 7-year-old, a 3-year-old, and a 1-year-old. My 1-year-old asks me for food, and his favorite food is whatever dad is eating. That's it. He's like, I want that. Give that to me. He asks for food. My 3-year-old, Susanna, uh, she asks for snacks. She asks to play. She asks for whatever toy her older sister is playing with, regardless if she's playing with it right then and there at that time. My two older kids ask me all the time if they can watch TV, and I ask Leah if I can watch football, please. <laughs> you know, asking, we do this in restaurants and home at work. Asking is a normal part of human existence, a normal part of your relationship if you want to grow this with God. And so Jesus gives us some tips. And he starts off here, you can see it in, uh, the, when he's talking about the Lord's Prayer in Luke 11.3, he's really just saying, ask for small things first. Totally normal thing. Now you go, that's what you want to say? It's kind of counterintuitive if you just hang with me for a second. Jesus teaches people to ask for small things. Luke eleven three, he says right there in the Lord's Prayer, give us each day our daily bread. Your basic needs. Jesus is saying, what it, make sure you ask the Father for your basic needs. You're gonna, you need this stuff and it's okay to ask him for this. Did you notice? Jesus is saying, ask for bread before you even ask for forgiveness. Did you see it there? This is deep stuff. People think that it's wrong to ask God for my needs, for my wants. God is really more concerned with really important people, and he doesn't want to hear from me, and I have my little things I can figure out. I'll leave the big stuff to God. And Jesus says, don't leave the big stuff to the Father. He wants to hear about all the stuff. And he wants you to ask him for every part of your life. And I think people don't do this for a variety of reasons. They think they're not important or some people just don't know that they can ask God for things or that God wants them to ask for things. Check this out in James 4.2. James says this, you do not have because you do not ask God. So there's a simple thing going on. Sometimes there's some stuff that you need in life that, man, you could really have a breakthrough there. And God's like, if you just ask, I'll be glad to help. Uh, Let me tell you one of the times I learned this. I'm going to tell you two stories today from my time when I was training to be a pastor in seminary, which is kind of like grad school for pastors. And uh, my wife, Leah, and I, we were dirt broke. We were living in the top floor of an ancient dorm from the 1940s uh, that had no air conditioning. And we were the last people to live in it, and they condemned the building as we moved out. (laughs) It's not a joke. (laughs) It's true. And... uh, 
And so when we were moving out and the place we were moving into, they said, it's all ready for you. Um, you just need to provide your own washer and dryer. And we're like, we just paid for groceries last week with loose change. We have to get a washer and dryer? How are we going to do that? And so we were trying to find ways like, do we charge it? Do we maybe go into debt for it? Maybe we need to sell some stuff, try to figure out. And we had a friend who just had childlike faith who said, well, did you ask God to give you a washer and dryer? And we looked at her and went, N- no. <laughs> and we thought, you know what? She's like, well, just ask him. Jesus has asked for daily bread. And the Bible says, you don't have because you don't ask. What's the harm that could happen? Just try. Just ask. And so Lee and I sat at the edge of our bed. I think we were in our, we had, it was like one bedroom, one bathroom. And it was, yeah. And we just sat there and we're like, God, we need a washer and dryer, please. And, um, Thanks for the building not falling down around us while we're still living in this one. And for the new one, we have no idea how we're going to pay for it, but we ask that you give us a washer and dryer. One week later, went to go check my mail, and in my mailbox was an envelope from my grandmother for a, with a check in it for a couple thousand dollars. She had no clue we had prayed that prayer. Randomly, all on her own, she's like, I know I'm not going to die for a couple years, but I want my grandchildren to have their inheritance now. I'm just going to give it to them before the president takes the money. You know, <laughs> I'm so sorry, Nana. I love you. <laughs> they, they had no clue. They had no clue. And so we're like, we have money to go buy a new washer and dryer and a carpet for a new place. And that was God going, hey, just ask me. Would you just ask me? Come on, I want to help you. And so here's what I'm telling you today. If you're new to prayer, ask God for the things that you need in life. Even the small things like bread for today. Check this out. Ephesians 6, 18. The apostle Paul tells us this. And pray in the spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests, even for the little stuff. And God Man, we'll just show up in ways that will blow your mind. And the best part about the washer and dryer isn't the washer and the dryer. It's the story. Like, man, God cares even about how I do my laundry. (laughs) So Jesus says, pray for small things. Now, Jesus also then ups the ante a little bit where he's teaching in the Lord's Prayer. And then he starts telling the story about this friend who goes at midnight, knocks on his other friend's door. And man, with people with little kids, if you come knocking on my door at midnight and wake up my kids, I'm going to be ticked. And in Loxahatchee, if you go knock on someone's door at midnight, you better (laughs) duck and cover, man. Whoa, boy. So, I mean, Jesus is talking about such real life stuff. He's like, yeah, how many of you would be frustrated? That's how you know the Bible's real because it's so real about the human condition. And so Jesus then goes on to say in uh, Luke 18 verse 8, well, first he's saying, ask for bigger and bolder things. This is his point. Ask for the small things and ask for bigger, bolder things. So 11 verse 8, he says this here. I tell you, even though he will not give up and give you the bread because of your friendship, it doesn't matter the closeness of your relationship, yet because of your, this word here, shameless audacity. Everyone say that with me. Shameless audacity. Oh, this is a good prayer term. 
shameless audacity, he will surely get up and give you as much as you need. Now, this word here, it's actually two words in English in this translation. It's one word in Greek. It takes two English words to get at the concept of this word in the original Greek. And what it is trying to describe is what is a disregard for what's proper. Where somebody has, if they have shameless audacity when they ask for something, they're disregarding what's normal, what's proper, what's good manners. This is the type of thing where you should be embarrassed that you're asking it. That's shameless audacity. Shameless audacity is when you ask, you blush. Because like, um, this is not proper for me to ask this. And that uncomfortable feeling you have when you have to step out of your comfort zone, you're not being proper, and you have to ask for something that embarrasses you a little bit, Jesus says, ah, now you're in the sweet spot of prayer. That's how you should feel when you ask my father for something. And it's not because God wants you to feel embarrassed. He then goes on to say, because I'm telling you, if you ask, you're going to receive. If you seek, you're going to find. And if you knock on the door of heaven, it's going to be opened for you. Shameless audacity. Ask audaciously for things or just be bold when you ask. Okay, so here's another story from my time at seminary. This is a picture of one of my heroes of faith. This is Dr. Ellsworth Callis. I love this man. Um, He was uh, my preaching professor at seminary. And what's also cool, guys, is that he was Dale's preaching professor at seminary. Isn't that fun? Now, Dr. Callis, um, uh, he's just one of the best preachers I've ever heard, and he wrote dozens and dozens of books. At the end of my class with him, I brought a book to him and said, Dr. Callis, will you sign this book for my dad? I mean, it's like one of those types of things. When I had him, he was 90 years old and still strong as ever. It was like teaching preaching classes from Yoda. It was so awesome. <laughs> It was awesome. It was the best. Now, the crazy thing was, he was 90 when I took him, and yet Dale had him at the same time. In fact, I've heard legends that um, uh, it was until before, he, before Dale took classes from him, he actually looked like Brad Pitt. <laughs> Which makes me wonder, what, what did you do to the man? I don't know. Anyway, he's probably looking down from heaven right now with Jesus going, oh, there's Dale and Trevor being idiots like normal. Okay. (laughs) Anyway, I'm just kidding. So Ellsworth Callis is just this incredible man. Um, And he was so respected by the seminary community for his teaching, for his preaching, and honestly, his spiritual leadership as a follower of Jesus. When the seminary went through a, a tough time, they asked him to be president and step in and to stabilize the whole institution. It's a global institution. They asked him to lead it to bring stability, and he did. And one of the uh, famed stories of Dr. Callis was there was a person who was a potential supporter of the seminary. And uh, this person was in church one Sunday, and a new pastor came to his church, and he heard him preach. He said, that's how you preach the gospel of Jesus, the hope of Jesus. That's how you preach that. Tell me where you went to school. And he told him, well, it was Asbury Theological Seminary in Wilmore, Kentucky. And he went, okay. And there's other great seminaries in the world. We're just partial to that one here. And um, he said, well, great. Thanks for telling me that. And he and his wife got in a car, drove to Wilmore, Kentucky, asked for a meeting with Ellsworth Callis. And Ellsworth doesn't know this guy from Adam. And they go out to lunch. And he said, I'm interested in becoming a supporter of Asbury. Great. 
And Ellsworth said, well, that's wonderful. And this man told him, said, what does the seminary need? And Dr. Callis looked up and said, oh, well, you know, any higher education institution always needs scholarships. We, we could really use some scholarships. And the man, without even blinking, went, great. What else does the seminary need? And Dr. Callis doesn't know this person. And he's like, what do I say right now? Do they want to give $300? Do they just want to give me my lunch? Do they have my, I, I don't know. I'm afraid to do something that's not proper right now. And the Holy Spirit, he told me the story himself. The Holy Spirit told him, just in the very back of his mind and in the very back of his heart, saying, tell him the dream and be audacious. And he swallowed hard, took a deep breath, said, you know what we honestly really need? We're condemning this old married housing unit. (laughs) We need new housing for our married students from all over the world. And the man looked at him and said, now we're talking. And I want to show you a picture. This is called Callus Village. After that one lunch and $90 million later, they built a neighborhood. 150 townhomes, state-of-the-art, energy-efficient to keep bills low for poor seminary students, built communally so people will build relationships and friends that are like family while they're learning to prepare for ministry. And they have changed that institution forever because of one lunch and one audacious ask. In fact, here's a picture of the neighborhood here, just all these beautiful townhomes together. Leah and I were the first ones to ever live in our unit. Isn't that cool? Because he audaciously asked and made a request that made him blush a little bit. And what Jesus is telling us in this parable, my friends, saying, do that with God. Do that with God. Your father looks at you and goes, that's great. What else do you need? Would you just be a little bolder, please, with me? Would you just be a little bit bigger in your ask with me, please? Now, I want to say a quick little caveat here. For some of you, I know, I've done that before, and man, that, the breakthrough didn't come from me. That's real. Come back next week. We're going to talk about prayer and unanswered prayer next week. Little teaser, okay? Okay. But still, Jesus is saying, when you pray, Go bold. Go big. I think what's interesting about this is um, it's so challenging to us. It's encouraging and it's really challenging. Author and pastor Tyler Staten says this. Um, he said, we pray the safest kind of prayers. The ones so passive and vague, we'd never be able to tell if God responded to them or not. And as a thought experiment... Try to recall everything you've prayed for in the last week. Think, if God answered every last one of your prayers, what would happen? With the exception of one or two particularly bold or naive people, the answer is usually very little. And so I did this um, maybe last year at some point, kind of the same thought. I was trying to thank God for answered prayers that I had asked him for. And you know what? The biggest answered prayer I had most weeks was that embarrassed me and challenged me at the same time was God help me not to mess up on Sunday. And that was it. 
I know some of you are thinking, man, pastor, you got to pray harder. <laughs> I know. I know. I'm doing my best, okay? I'm trying, man. But still, it's like, I need to pray bigger prayers for my kids. I need to pray bigger prayers for Palm Beach County, which is the opioid center of the epidemic of overdoses in our nation. I need to pray for what's going on with Ukraine and Russia. I need to pray for our country that's going down the drain. I need to pray bigger and bolder things and quit praying safe prayers and pray some bold, dangerous prayers. So Jesus challenges us to step in and lean in. So he's telling us, hey, pray for the small things. God wants you to do that. Pray for bold things. And then here's really what Jesus drives the whole conversation to at the end. Really, when you pray, ask for more of God. Luke eleven thirteen 13. says, if you, you then, though you're evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, none of you, if your child asked you for goldfish, would give him a snake. So, so you guys obviously know that's bad. If you understand that, then how much more? This is a great Hebrew argument and great Hebrew logic that Jesus would do. The how much more do you think argument? How much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? And I'm here to tell you today, friends, that the best thing in the world that you can ask God for is for more of God. You really want to have a breakthrough spiritually in your life, in your family, in your marriage, at work, in your business, in your school, in your community, in our church. If you really want that, the prayer to pray is, God, I want more of you. Any, I don't care about all this other stuff. If you give me you, that's enough. There's this pastor, John Tyson, who pastors a church in New York City, and he's just, um, just one of the premier preachers and teachers in the world. And he told a story that he went on a 17-city tour all over the world of the 17 greatest places of the outpouring of the Holy Spirit in the history of Christianity, and went to visit all these 17 places all over the world trying to figure out what's the common thread here between all these different places where God poured out his spirit. Things changed because God poured out his spirit in a powerful way on a bunch of Jesus lovers. They would go to change the world. They would send missionaries all over the world. They would end up abolishing slavery. They would create hospital, hospitals and modern medicine. I mean, the ways when the Holy Spirit falls on a pe- group of people of Jesus lovers who go to love their neighbors, it changes the whole world for good. And what's the common thread? And he said, after studying these 17 cities, there's one common thread, and he says it here. The basic thing is God comes where he is wanted. And friends, this is why we're doing all this prayer stuff. This is why we're doing 21 days of prayer. This is why we're having a prayer night next week. And I hope a a ton of you come and cancel your plans and refuse to watch the football game and come on out praying. (laughs) Because, because of what happens when a group of people gather together and say, we want you. 
Imagine what would happen in your life if your greatest heart cry was, God, I want more of you in my life and in my home and in this region. And if we all gather together and do that enough, everybody, I don't know what will happen, but I've read my Bible enough and history enough, I know what could happen. And I want to know who's going to come with me and with us and do it. Let's pray. The prayer focus for today for 21 days of prayer. Um, coincidentally, but there's no coincidences in God's kingdom is to the prayer focus for today is to ask for more of the Holy Spirit. And so, Lord, now just in a posture of prayer, we as one people of community of hope here at Loxahatchee with everybody online, in your presence now in the name of Jesus of Nazareth, we declare we want you and we want more of you. And God, we want you here. I don't know what could, I don't know what will happen. But Lord, I've heard of your fame and I've heard the stories. And I know what can happen and what could happen. So do it again in our day. Bring breakthrough in the lives of everyone here and online. Bring breakthrough in families, breakthroughs in marriages, breakthroughs in broken relationships with children, breakthroughs in businesses that are stuck and stalled out breakthroughs for people who have walked away from you are in darkness breakthroughs for our region for problems that are happening systemically to our society and our culture we want you come holy spirit we ask for more of you god we ask for more of you we love you that you're a god who wants to be known by us who who wants us to ask for small things for big things for bold things and most of all for you We lean in now in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. Hey, before we pray, before we pray and before I send you out of here, uh, two quick things. First of all, we have people up here who are willing to pray with you about anything. If you have something you want to ask God for, there's power when you ask it with other people. Before you go out those doors, if you're here in person, come over here to the prayer teams. I would love nothing more than for you to bring your small requests or your big and bold requests to people here who will pray with you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Um, Second thing, here's how you ask for more of God. It's a very simple prayer. If you want to do this with your hands, you don't have to, but I just put my hand over my heart. And so if you want more of God, just do this. You don't have to. It's not magic. It's just a helpful way to pray with your hands and with your body. And the way you ask for the Holy Spirit it's just this say God I want more it's just a simple prayer we learned it as babies more more and so Lord with hands on our hearts we ask for more Lord we ask for more of you we ask for more Jesus we love you and you're the God who hears prayer and is moved by prayer. We love you. Thank you, Lord. It's in Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people said, amen. Friends, 
Go in the peace and love of God. We'll see you next week.